Welcome to today's Jolt. It's the 4th of December. I'm Sam Morgan, your host. This week, the show is coming at you on a daily basis, so be sure to tune in to the episodes every weekday. Stay tuned later in this episode for a look at one of the more interesting and perhaps overlooked agreements to already come out of the ongoing COP28 climate summit. First, let's take a look at what has been happening in the world of energy and climate. COP28 President Sultan Ahmed Al-Jaber has courted controversy by insisting that there is no scientific support for getting rid of fossil fuels. The UAE summit chair said that phasing out oil, coal and gas completely would take the world back into caves. His comments have sparked condemnation from the climate science community, with many scientists warning that Al-Jaber's stance verges on climate denial. Others have pointed towards the latest IPCC report as plenty proof of fossil fuels' incompatibility with climate goals. Some climate commentators, however, have actually defended the Sultan's position, insisting that carbon removals means hydrocarbons will maintain a role in the energy mix for the foreseeable future. A reminder that Al Jaber is the head of the UAE's main oil company and that he has plans to ramp up production in the coming years. The United States has joined an international pledge to get rid of coal power. The US joins more than 50 countries that aim to rid their electricity grids of electrons sourced from the fossil fuel. It's mostly a symbolic move, as US coal consumption has been declining rapidly over the last 10 years, and existing policy commitments by the Biden administration target a full phase-out by 2035. Symbolism or not, the move exerts extra pressure on other big polluters like China and India, which are still building new coal power capacity. The US was joined by Cyprus, the Dominican Republic, Iceland, Kosovo, which gets a massive 95% of its power from coal, uh, Norway and Czechia, the European Union's third largest coal user. A long-awaited pledge to triple renewable energy capacity and double energy savings by 2030 made its debut at COP. G20 nations had already backed the ambitious plan ahead of the Dubai summit, and now more than 100 countries have indicated their support for it. However, major countries like China, India, Indonesia, South Africa and Turkey have not yet come on board. Sources who are at COP told me that this is not an outright rejection of the plan by those countries, as some have indicated informal support for it already, and that they still might be up for signing it by the end of the summit. The main off-putting point for many of those big emitters is that the pledge also includes a reduction of fossil fuels. Even without those nations, it is an achievement that everybody involved with should be rightfully proud of. Still at COP, 22 countries joined an alliance that aims to triple nuclear power capacity worldwide by 2050. Big names, including the US, United Kingdom, France, Japan and South Korea, are back in the initiative. Some countries that don't even have reactors yet, such as Ghana, Moldova and Poland, also joined. A declaration signed by the Atom Smashing Alliance urges international financial institutions and other banks to include nuclear in their lending policies. Moving on now to China, which has indicated it will announce a new emissions reduction pledge. Longtime climate envoy Xi Zhenhua revealed that China's government intends to publish new targets and measures for the end of the decade and for 2035 by 2025. Under the current target, emissions would increase 26% compared to 2010. 2025 then could be a vintage year for Chinese climate action, as it is also the year by which its emissions are expected to peak. 
Talks between the European Union and the South American trade bloc, Mercosur, about a landmark commerce pact are on the brink of collapse. Argentina, a Mercosur member, will not sign the deal on the 7th of December as planned. Its incumbent president is leaving the decision up to his right-wing successor, Javier Malay, who is due to take office on the 10th. Malay has threatened to rip up the draft deal and provisions on environmental protection and deforestation that have been written into it. France, for its part, would not be sad to see the back of it though, as its push for stronger green protections have not particularly paid off. Europe's farmers too will likely be glad not to have to compete with beef and other agricultural imports promised by the agreement. North Macedonia has launched a Just Transition investment platform to help reach its green goals. The Balkan nation aims to ditch coal completely and add nearly 2 gigawatts of renewable power by 2030. The European Bank for Reconstruction and Development is supporting the investment scheme, which hopes to make a significant dent in the 3 billion euro funding requirement that North Macedonia needs to meet its goals. As the power sector is such a prominent part of the country's emissions output, greening it could make North Macedonia an energy transition leader in Europe. And New Zealand's new government has pulled out of investing in a large-scale hydropower and energy storage project. New Zealand Aotearoa suffers from dry spells about every seven years, and during that period renewable energy sources struggle to meet demand. The Lake Onslow pumped hydro project had been touted as a potential solution to that problem. The new government says it's wasteful though, and criticised the 16 billion New Zealand dollar price tag. That's nearly 10 billion euros. Instead, it will target more solar, wind and geothermal energy capacity. That's all of your news updates for today. Now let's move on to a closer look at the story of the moment. Paying for climate action is a tricky issue. Debt has become a bit of a toxic concept thanks to inflation. You only need to look at Germany, where a court recently ruled that a $60 billion climate fund isn't legal because it was built on debt taken out by the government. That doesn't really change anything though, we're still going to need trillions and trillions of whatever currency you choose to work in if net zero goals are to be fulfilled. Another way of paying for it is extra taxation. Don't flinch though, a new initiative launched at COP28 at the weekend is aiming to make sure tax isn't such a dirty word. France and Kenya successfully launched a new task force on international taxation that wants to help coordinate and catalyse work on designing new taxes that can help pay for the green transition. Ideas already on the table include a financial transaction tax, a wealth tax and new levies on aviation and shipping. Hundreds of billions of dollars could be raised on a consistent basis if these taxes were to take off. This new task force wants to get to work on these new levies as early as next year and start bringing results to COP as soon as possible. The European Commission will be an observer to the efforts, more countries are welcome to join when they want and the European Climate Foundation will host the new forum's secretariat. I spoke with Rachel Owens, the director of the foundation's climate finance programme, who explained to me direct from Dubai why this new task force is a big deal. So we've we've been talking for, for decades about how we need to find the kind of trillions rather than the billions for, for climate action and broader, you know, global public goods and development, poverty reduction, etc. Um, and I think it's become very clear, you know, with the discussion around the hundred billion and the, the kind of lack of delivery on that, that we need to be have creative thinking in this area and to really look for new innovative sources of financing. And obviously taxation is something which um, you know, is often a taboo 
these subjects politically, um, but we have seen quite a lot of progress on kind of political discussions at the highest level on how taxation can be used um, as a mechanism to raise um, additional financing, particularly for the most vulnerable, uh, climate vulnerable countries in, in the world. Um, and I think there's also a kind of really key equity element that I, I want to kind of bring to the forefront, which is around kind of polluting industries and how many of those industries are very under tax. If you look at the shipping industry, for example, aviation industry, they're very under tax. So I think there's a kind of global justice equity element to this as well. You're actually there on the ground now in Dubai, Rachel. Um, you were there for the announcement of the task force. What does the appetite for these kinds of measures look like to you? You, you mentioned that tax is sometimes a taboo subject. That's certainly right. Do you get a sense that this is there is more of a realization that we're going to have to have an honest conversation about this uh, sooner rather than later? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think the Paris summit for finance, like financing for the for people and planet was, you know, the first time that we really had these really kind of heads of state, high political level discussions around taxation. And so due credit to the to the French administration and particularly President Macron for kind of putting this on the agenda. And I think really very much at that summit and the you know lead up to it, the taboos were broken around that. You saw strong partnership from President Ruto of Kenya and President Macron. Of, of, of France, really kind of saying, look, a big country in the global north, a big country in the global south, coming together to say, actually, what we need is global, high level political cooperation around this topic to really move forward on concrete steps on how to actually get money back into countries so that they can take action on climate and further development goals. And I think that's also to do with the, the legacy of COVID, the kind of current um, cost of living crisis, the high inflation, high interest rates, which just mean that, you know, on the private kind of capital markets, it's, it's, it's basically impossible for developing countries to kind of raise the capital they need. Um, but also, as we've been discussing as well here at COP and also previously, there's a need for, to reform the international financial architecture. So for us, the kind of taxation piece is one part of this broader toolbox, which champions like um, Prime Minister Motley of, of Barbados have really been really pushing. The purpose is very much to have a political space in order to drive forward ambition that doesn't get caught in the kind of binary discussion that we're kind of seeing in other fora um, currently on taxation and also the kind of primarily focus is concrete action about you know how countries can actually implement this tax in a relatively short time frame to actually kind of get money flowing because that is particularly for debt distressed climate vulnerable countries that is you know that real kind of liquidity issue about how you get money flowing quickly and I think that's why we as the European Climate Foundation are you know really pleased to kind of support this initiative from a kind of secretariat perspective. I also spoke with Friederike Röde, a VP for Global Policy at Global Citizen, who described live from COP how she sees the task force actually working in practice. Um, I, I do hope that it's more than just a coordinating body but really like a, an action body because the reality is that Yes, the EU, for instance, is indeed discussing taxes, so they call it the, their own resources. And that can happen anyway. That's fine. Uh, the IMO discussions are very important. I think they should stay at IMO, and, and we obviously need to continue and, um, ensuring that there is uh, sufficient support for the levy. Other than that, there's not much happening in that space in reality. There's lots of discussions, but not real a real policy process. So I think this task force should actually look at options 
that aren't really discussed at the moment, or let's say where there's not a real policy process uh, happening or negotiating process. So I think one could windfall profits process of uh, of fossil fuel companies. That's a that's I think a, a really um, priority one. Um, I think another one could be um, a financial transaction tax. So uh, simply because it's, it's already been experimented, a lot of countries actually have a tax on, for instance, shares. And and again, it's a it's a sector that is under tax that usually thrives in crisis situations, and where a, really a tiny tax of like half a percent could uh, move billions. So these are different options. I think what's important actually for us is that it's a tax that can be implemented by a few countries where we don't have to wait for the US and China and so on to agree. And also that actually mobilizes enough uh, enough money. Um, but these two options that I just mentioned, so windfall profits on fossil fuel companies and financial transaction tax are definitely in this uh, category. And how would it work actually in practice? I think um, the task force would work on a joint, uh, like would think through what the design and so on of the text could be. They would agree on it. They don't necessarily have to have exactly the same text design, but basically implementation would happen at home. And they just they just have to agree, I guess, on like some, you know, common features of the text. So of uh, like, for instance, a minimal tax rate. And then obviously also agree on how to use the proceeds. That is obviously, I mean, the whole idea of that um, tax. So it could be quite a loose. I mean, they don't have to create a new institution to implement the tax, for instance. Uh, implementation would basically happen at home. And then the proceeds could be channeled uh, through multilateral institutions, thereby also um, ensuring transparency and accountability. And obviously also encouraging others then uh, to join this uh, club. The task force aims to set itself up and produce a first stock take of sorts by the next COP, location still TBD, and to actually design and present one new tax by COP30 in Brazil. Both Rachel and Friederike also mentioned that Brazil's involvement could be key to the task force's success, given that it will also chair the G20 presidency and has already indicated that it will prioritise these kind of taxation policies. Fingers crossed then that more countries come on board and that this is not just another one of those initiatives that fades into obscurity after being launched. It certainly has a lot of potential. Many thanks for joining me today. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode of The Jolt. Remember that the show is now going to be hitting the airwaves on a daily basis. My colleague Kira Taylor will be taking the reins for the first time on Wednesday, so you won't want to miss that. Foresight Editor-in-Chief David Weston and CEO Kasper Thiel Carstensen are both actually at COP at the moment, recording episodes of our other podcast series, Energy Enablers and Talking Transitions with EY. You'll be able to listen to the first of those episodes later this week, so do stay tuned for that. The Jolt is free to air, so please do show us some love and share the episodes if you enjoyed listening. Thanks to everyone at Foresight for helping make The Jolt possible, and shout out to Mute Island for providing the theme music. Until next time, thanks for being a part of the Jolt. Thank you.